Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Pittsburgh Current Podcast. I am current publisher editor Charlie Deach. Uh, today's Pittsburgh Current Pro- Pittsburgh Current Podcast is brought to you by A&R Solutions. Uh, A&R Solutions is now accepting new patients with addiction to heroin or other pain medications. Um, oh, we have a great guest for you today. Sorry, I'm actually very prepared today, which means I'm gonna, this is going to be a little choppy, folks. Um, our, we have a great guest today, Bethany Hallam. She's a Democrat running for Allegheny County Council, and she's got a great story to tell us, talk about her ascent into politics uh, and how she got there after her descent into opioid addiction, a 10-year battle that uh, we're going to talk about, and she's kind of made a... a, a something she's not hiding from this campaign. Um, also, you can check out issue four is now on the streets of the Pittsburgh Current. We've got a great story about five black women mayors of Western Pennsylvania by Bethany Rue. It's a great story. You need to check that out. And then we've got a ton of great arts coverage this week from a new play at Bare Bones production to the ongoing Black Bottom Film Festival. And also, if you're into indie folk, I have a story this week on Ryan Hoffman and the Pioneers. But as I said, today, the current Podcast is brought to you by AR Solutions. Are you or a loved one battling with drug addiction? You're not alone. AR Solutions is now accepting new patients with addiction to heroin or other pain medication. AR Solutions believe that addiction to prescription pain meds and heroin can be treated successfully. AR treats drug addiction the same as any other disease with compassion, individualized plans, and evidence based treatment. They realize that no two people are the same, so substance abuse treatment services are tailored to meet a client's specific needs. As a leading prescriber in Eastern Pennsylvania for Suboxone and Subutex, A&R Solutions offer a full spectrum of treatments. A&R's goal is to treat the ever-growing drug dependence issue throughout our country. With nearly 15 years of experience, A&R Solutions is trying to impact the lives of thousands of people. A&R Solutions can help you face your problems, realize your strengths, and help you be free from addiction. For an appointment, call 1-800-817-4053. Or visit our website at andrsolutions.com. And you can also look for the link in the description of this podcast. So, um, I love Bethany Hallam's story. I know it, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to sort of go through it, and we're going to get through it much, as, much as, as much of it as we can, because there's a, there's a lot. Um, Bethany, welcome to, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Um, so, it's kind of tough to decide as I was kind of going over the notes and deciding what to talk about first. It's um, Let's talk a little bit first about, as we talked about it, as I talked about at the top, um, you had a 10-year battle with drug addiction, and now here you are running for Allegheny County Council. She's running for the county council at large seat against Democratic incumbent uh, John DeFazio, um, who has been um, in that seat since county government started. Um, I think I was there. I think I was there the day he was sworn in. Actually, so it's been a, it's been a long time. Um, so, Bethany, talk to me a little bit about what um, what sort of drives the um, drives your political uh, tendencies. Um, so, I I really think that the biggest issue is that I'm coming into this race with a perspective that no one else on county council has. Right. right? So, uh, you mentioned my battle with addiction. Um, as a result, I was, you know, I accumulated a few criminal charges. I was incarcerated for a few months and it, it just gave me all the more motivation mm-hmm. that if I don't stand up and speak for the people that I have been seeing being oppressed for so long, who is going to do it? Right. And so did you, was that sort of when you were in recovery that you thought about political aspirations or was it even, was it before that? And then maybe once you got clean, it sort of, you know 
came to the fore for you? Yeah, so it was long before that. I mean, ever since I was a kid, you know, right. student council, yeah, the yeah. whole works. It's always been a passion of mine. Mm -hmm. And so I actually, when I first got involved with the Democratic Committee, because I'm a committee member from right. Ross Township, mm -hmm. um, I was still in my act of addiction. Okay. And so then uh, everything kind of spiraled out of control very quickly. And when I got clean, mm -hmm. I took all that energy that I was using to get high every day right. and put it into something positive. And politics was just the obvious answer for me because right. it was something that I'd always had a passion about and something that I realized like I can go out and I can say whatever I want to whatever who's ever going to listen right. but unless I am willing to step up and run for office where I can actually affect the change mm -hmm. that I want to see it's it's not going to have impact you know exactly yeah. exactly and so we're going to we're going to talk about Bethany's story we're going to take the long road but first I want to say that just before we came on she told me that Tuesday will mark her um, anniversary of two and a half years clean. Yes. And I want to congratulate you on Thank that. Thank you very that's much. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, so you, we, we, you, you, you first became addicted to opioids. It was prescription pain medications, correct? You mm -hmm. were injured a lacrosse player. Yes. In, varsity lacrosse in, in high school. Mm -hmm. And so talk about what you were injured. Talk a little about the injury and then sort of talk about how the first exposure to, to opioids sort of hit you. Right. So it was my junior year in high school. Mm -hmm. And like I said, varsity lacrosse player, I was always an athlete. Like that's yeah. just who I am. I was a swimmer my whole life, lacrosse player. That was what my life revolved around. And so one day it was in practice, not even in a game. I always say like, I wish I was doing something <laughs> right. like crazy yeah. when it happened. We were just having a regular lacrosse practice mm -hmm. and uh, my foot got stuck and my knee didn't. My knee kept going. Right. And so I ended up t tearing my ACL and my meniscus in my left leg. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, did the routine went to the hospital got prescribed pain pills a few days later went to the doctor got pain pills scheduled a surgery had the surgery more pain pills right uh after the surgery physical therapy more pain pills and i just it wasn't even like i was seeking them it was just right are you in pain well yeah i'm in pain okay well yeah. here's some pain pills and i was 16 right yeah. i i truly i mean all the dare classes you get in high school i knew about drugs but to me this was this is my doctor right it's medicine right? exactly and so that continued on, physical therapy, more prescriptions. And then it was about seven and a half months later, um, we're now my senior year in high school, I tore, I tore my right ACL meniscus. Wow. So the same exact injury, the opposite leg, same process all over again. Refills and refills and refills of opioids. And at the time still, I had no idea what was going on. My parents knew I was being prescribed them. Mm -hmm. And again, they thought the same thing. You know, they were watching me, watching how I was taking them. They were given from a doctor. So what do we have to worry about? Yeah. And by the time that the refills from that injury finally ended, I mean, I just felt like crap and I didn't know what it was. Every day I just was like, ooh, why do I feel like this? I didn't feel like right. myself. And that's when a friend suggested to me, oh, well, I know why you feel that way because you were on these opioids for so long and now you're not. And right. so he gave me some. And so that Ugh. just led to, I mean, 10 years of just a roller coaster ride, you know, almost losing everything. Right. And yeah. so, no, I say, so, so what year are we talking about? Because we were talking earlier again, too, mm -hmm. about how really, I mean, I, I'm sure anybody out there can relate to the fact if you went for dental work, if you went for any sort of pain, I mean, there was a time that you were given this, these drugs 
just as easily as you were told to use Advil oh, or, yeah. or anything else. So it was, they were just, so what, what, what years are we talking about? So 2006 was my first injury okay. and my addiction lasted until 2016. Okay. And so at what point, so at the point that the, that the drugs drop out, you, you no longer have legal means to get them, mm-hmm. um, or at least for, for those injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did, how did it progress from there? You said a friend gave you some, and then did that, if you can explain a little bit sort of how it sort of progressed into this long battle with addiction. like Right. So, I mean, pills were everywhere. It, right. it was so like, I guess I never realized before cause I had never been looking for them. Mm-hmm. But once I was in that position, I realized how easy they were to get. There was a friend just offering me a prescription that he had found in his house. And we wow. were at this time 17 years old and there was just opioid prescriptions laying around right. his house. And so that's what we were doing. And then it turns into, you know, who can find them for you? Then I'm seeking them out. Um, and after a few more years, it was, I mean, you know, about the healthcare crisis that yeah. we have going on. So there was a lot of instances where it was little old ladies, cancer patients, or they were prescribed these Oxycontin right. and other things for whatever reason, and they couldn't afford their prescription. So to us, knowing how expensive it was to buy these pills, we would have some little old lady where we would buy her prescription for her in exchange for half of her pills. Wow. So she gets more than she could have had before, and we fueled our addiction. I mean, How old are you at that point? When that started, 19, I was in college. Okay, so you're still, I mean, you're still relatively young. And right. You've now figured out how you have to game the system right. to get to get these drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's, it's you know, it wasn't like, again, it wasn't like you saw it. I mean, it's just a natural. When you take these drugs, you get addicted. I mean, it wasn't like you sought to get high. It just, yeah. you became addicted because you used them sporadic well not sporadically heavily at a couple two points in a couple of years and then probably in between injuries too you were probably still taking them because right and they were there and I had them and it was it wasn't ever about getting high it was just about feeling normal so after a while by the time the prescriptions were over I like I said I felt horrible I needed them to just feel normal right you know to get through my everyday so very quickly and I don't even know the exact timeline on it but at some point in college Mm -hmm. I needed to Use before I woke up, as soon as I woke up, use before I went to class, use to go to work so that I could make money to get off work and go buy more and use more. It was just my whole entire life for so long. And I just didn't care about anyone else, anything else. It was just me and my addiction. And I was just trapped in it. I find it one thing. And again, as I was reading your bio and I asked you the timeline Mm -hmm. earlier, I can't believe that you graduated from Duquesne university while in the throes of this. Yeah. That's amazing. Like, how did you, how did you, how did you do that? Do you think? Um, So I also worked full time the whole time I was in college, you know? So I, I think it was just that I'm a very high energy person, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm always like, go, go, go. So, and the pills were what kept me going. So as long as I had the drugs, I could keep going. So I would go to class. I would get get done with class, go straight to work, work Mm -hmm. all night, and then start all over again. Because I had this fuel inside of me that I felt like I couldn't do it without. Right. And at, at, um, at what point is it, is it easy up to a point to get these drugs? Again, you start talking about working with, working with, um, uh, older folks who, who can't afford their prescriptions and you're so, um, I mean, and that's not, I wouldn't think that's an easy way to get drugs, but at least it's a system of some kind. Was there a point where sort of the faucet was turned off on getting these kinds of things or it was harder to get these kinds of things? No, because I think a almost, I hate to use the word coalition, but like a coalition of addicts, right? We had all these resources amongst. So like you would meet this person, this person, and this person between the group of us, 
we all always knew somewhere to get them. So right. we would almost, it was like a team. We would go together and get right. drugs together. Wow. And that was, I mean, all of my whole college experience, that's what that consisted of. And if I had to miss class to go get the drugs I needed, I missed class to go right. get the drugs I needed, you know, but I always had to go to work because I knew that that was my, that was my money yeah. source. And that's how I kept fueling my addiction. How would you say that you, that you reacted during this time? I mean, I mean, obviously you act differently, but like just your, um, just your, your, your mood or how you interact with people. How are you changing? I wasn't myself. Yeah. I wasn't myself. Um, and, but yet at the same time, I, my struggles with addiction really helped shape who I am today because I'm able to look back and, you know, people of course ask me all the time, like, do you ever think about using, does it ever cross your mind nowadays? The only thing I remember about that time is how horrible my life was, how my family hated me, how none of my friends wanted to be around me. How even, you know, I was jumping from job to job to job. I, I just wasn't someone that anybody wanted anything to do right. with. And I, I look back and I think about living in a car for months, mm-hmm. about having to sneak into my own parents' house at night because I wasn't welcome there. And I think about all the horrible things and just how much better my life yeah. is today. I mean, I told you that when I walked in, I'm yes. just so happy today. Right. And I've really, really taken all that energy that I used in my years of addiction and just focused mm-hmm. it onto what I see important today. So, so how did you eventually come to the realization that, I mean, I'm sure you probably hit it a couple of times, but eventually it hit, you said, I got to mm-hmm. get clean and you got clean. So what was the, I know that you, you, you were arrested a, uh, a few times mm-hmm. with some misdemeanors. Um, what was the, um, what was sort of the moment for you that you decided it had to happen? So I had been to multiple rehabs. I mean, I come from mm-hmm. a really great family and they were always like, you know, we're sending you to rehab. We're going to fix this. And time and time again, nothing was fixing it because right. I wasn't ready. Right. So I had gotten in trouble multiple times, you know, some summary offenses, a couple misdemeanor convictions, and it was just, it didn't hit me until um, I was on probation for one of those misdemeanor offenses. Mm-hmm. And I violated my probation because wow. I was still using, I failed a drug test and I ended up in the county jail. And that was the first time I'd been in the county jail, you know, like overnight Mm -hmm. for different instances before, but never stuck there with when you're there on a probation violation, you have a detainer. There is no chance to get bailed out. I don't care if you have all the money in the world. You are stuck in that county jail indefinitely. You're literally at the will of your probation officer in in the courts. And so just kind of knowing that here I am, I'm helpless. Yeah. And seeing my looking at myself in the mirror every day and being like, this is not who you are. You have so much drive and so much dedication in everything you do. Why are you using it to this? Right. And it was the first time think in 10 years that I had ever had a clean mind mm. first time. Cause I'm sitting yeah. in jail and I, I think it was just a wake up call and I was ready to do more with my life. What is it? What is it like to, I, I, I know obviously the reality is that there are, there are, drugs in jail in prison you can you can get drugs but what was that like i assume that that's when you made your decision that's when you you had to kick is that are you doing that i mean i don't there's no program is there a program you're just you just kind of go cold turkey at that point because right. you're inside for five months six months in that range something yeah like that? so i was in um between there and the renewal center which is the yeah. department of corrections mm-hmm. attached to right. the jail five and a half months wow yes. so um i was sick yeah so the way it works is when you go to the county jail Unless you are coming in and you are detoxing from benzos or alcohol, there is no 
treatment. There's no medication to detox you. Right. Um, and that's because you can die from withdrawal from benzos and alcohol. Right. Okay. So I was just sick. And when I say a month and a half, two months, mm -hmm. I mean like the worst flu you've ever had for wow. a very long time. Cause I had never detoxed before. Even when I had gone to rehab in the past, everyone was using in rehab, wow. right? I had never really been clean and it was horrible. And the, the crazy part was, was that I looked around the pod that mm -hmm. I was on and almost every single person was there for drug offenses. Almost every single person was there for violating their probation by failing a drug test or being caught with drugs or paraphernalia or something of the sort. And I think I had never really seen it like that before, you know? And if, there's drugs around. If you want to get drugs in jail, there's, sure. there, there's drugs to be had. But it, it was just all I felt. I didn't want to move. I laid in my cell. I mm. mean, there was the first few weeks I didn't even come out to the common areas. I just laid in my cell. I was sick. I was miserable. I'd call my family and that was it. And I really think that that's what I was at rock bottom. Right. And all I could think of is I finally have a clear mind. I need to do something good with this and I can't waste this opportunity. So that's what I did. That's great. And so that obviously that leads you to, again, you said you had an interest in politics from a mm -hmm. young age, but now you're experiencing the the county's penal system, which yes. is, for those of you that don't know, I can just say, simply sum up to say that um, the Allegheny County Jail has been a problematic place for a long, long, long time um, between um, inadequate medical care to um, a high rate of deaths while in custody. Mm -hmm. um, suicides. It, suicides, correct. Yeah, it's, um, there. there's a lot of problems. So, that's one of your platforms yes. for running for Allegheny County Council. So we'll get into the particulars of, you know, your running and so forth. But let's let's while we're on the, while we're on that subject, let's talk a little bit about that. So, what can you do as an Allegheny County Councilor? What is your plan to sort of address some of these issues with, not just you know I don't know how much a county councilor can deal with mass incarceration, but how much um, as far as the conditions at the jail? What kind of things are you? Right. So county council approves the budget, right? right? And county council is the, there is a jail oversight board Correct. that the president of county council, my opponent sits on. Mm -hmm. So there is, it, I think that really what the solution is, is kind of to use the office as a platform for change. Right. So who else has a perspective at, on county council as to what is going on in the jail than someone who's been there? Cause <laughs> right. I can tell you that no one else on county council has ever been sitting inside <laughs> the county jail that they are the oversight for. Right. So, I have seen things um, that the number one thing that I always talk about is the drugs being brought into the jail uh, It is a very secure facility. Mm -hmm. How are drugs getting brought in there? They're right. getting brought in by guards. Okay. And then a form of institutional rape. They're being exchanged for favors with inmates. So right. you have these inmates who are sitting there detoxing, withdrawing one of the worst experiences of their life. And a corrections officer comes up and says, I can make you feel better. Right. That's the number one thing that I saw more than I, I'd seen it in movies. I never realized it was real right. until I was there. Um, I saw suicides, right? People attempted suicides happen and they're not reported. You hear sometimes when there's a suicide that takes place, but attempted suicides are so frequent. Uh, no one is being treated properly. There isn't mental health treatment right. in the jail and there is no funding in the state for mental health treatment, we're closing facilities instead of opening facilities. Right. At the high point of our opioid epidemic, we are closing mental health facilities. Yeah. And so many people don't have insurance. I mean, there are people sitting in jail waiting for a bed in a treatment facility. So we're spending over $100 per person per day 
to hold them in the county jail just because there's not a bed for us to send them to. Right. How does that make any sense at all? Right. Then there's the other situations like the trans community and how, how trans inmates are treated in the county jail. So there are trans women being housed with men, right. being physically and sexually assaulted on a daily basis, and no one's standing up for them. And so if, if nothing else, I want to give a voice to the people who feel like they don't have a voice. For right. so long, they felt like no one cared what they have to say. Well, I've been there, sitting there, seeing these injustices, and I want to help change that. Right. Um, getting back to what you talked about, about um, drugs being brought in, exchange for sex. Um, so this happens This happens in the open. I mean, it's not. this isn't something that's necessarily being hidden, correct? I mean, it's because, I assume it's because there's that power of, you know, you're an inmate, right. you know, there's a guard. I mean, who's going to, you know, who's going to believe you over a guard? Anyway, right. What so, am I going to do? Go report right, right. that a guard offered me drugs. <laughs> They're going to be like, okay, yeah. you're a criminal. Right. I don't believe exactly. you. So yeah. it seems to me that, that, that this is happening, you know, maybe not just like right out in the open, but it's, it's, it seems to me that it's obvious that it's going on yes. and there's still nothing done about yes. it. Yes. And too much too often right. because you're going to be putting people in that jail for offenses that are being committed by the guards who are overseeing them in jail. Right. How does that make any sense? How is that fair? How is that just? How are we not talking about this more? And you talked a little bit about LGBTQ mm -hmm. uh, rights. Um, you recently um, you made a call on your opponent to, um, to pledge to uh, ban conversion therapy within Allegheny County. Yes. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. So there's a questionnaire for an endorsement, um, the Stonewall Dems endorsement mm -hmm. that is coming up. And one of the answers was that he wants to institute conversion therapy ban on the countywide level. So now this is legislation that passed easily in the city. Mm -hmm. Why haven't we had this already? If right. this is something you wanted to do and you've had this position to do this for, for so long, let's do it. Yeah, you're the president of the council. It's, it's, you've, got a, you've got influence and sway there. Exactly. So there's a county council meeting coming up on March 5th, and I'd like to see the legislation in introduced then. Great. Um, so let's sort of back it up and slow it down. And I will say, as I look at the clock, that this is the Pittsburgh Current Podcast. Uh, and we are sponsored today by A&R Solutions. If you have an issue with addiction, you can give them a call at 1-800-817-4053. That's 800-817-4053. A&Rsolutions.com. And you can find that those uh those numbers and links in the um in the description uh for this for this uh, podcast um so let me ask you generally before we get into some more of your specifics um Allegheny County Council has been accused I may have been wanting to do it from time to time <laughs> of not really of, of more of being a rubber stamp board is oh, that yeah. something that you that you uh, that obviously you you believe I mean there, there's not much new legislation, if any new legislation, no. I don't believe there's any, that comes out of the Allegheny County Council. Everything is generated in the county executive's mm -hmm. office, um, and then council is there to be that approval, there to be a check and a balance, but mm -hmm. I don't know that we're getting that. So, so the, the wording of the Home Rule Charter, mm -hmm. which established county council, says that it county council's purpose is to be the legislative branch of our county, mm -hmm. not a rubber stamp for the executive branch. They are to be the checks and balances for the executive branch. So if for so long it's just whatever the county executive says goes, mm -hmm. how are they doing what they're designed to do? And so I, I truly believe that there are a lot of 
great allies on county council right, right now. And I am not shy. I will speak up for what is right. I will speak up for the people, again, who don't have the voice to do so. Right. And I know that there is good people on council who will back that up. And I want to be there to back them up and give them a voice if they feel like they currently can't speak up against what's going on. Do you feel um, Do you feel more empowered running this year after sort of the influx of women we saw go into elected office last year? And I, I, mean, I hate to bring up and say, you know, how does it feel to be a woman running for office? Because again, it's it sucks that we even ask that question, but it's, you it know, feels last fantastic. Year... <laughs> you can ask me that question. That's it feels great. fantastic. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so did that, did that, did that embolden you some to not only, I mean, you're not, cause you're not only getting in, you're not only getting in a political race, you're taking on a 20 year incumbent. Now, listen, I mean, that's what, there were a lot of longtime incumbents who saw their, saw. who saw yeah. their, uh, their, their, their range come to an end last year. Um, so did that did that um, did that help sort of embolden you a little bit to say you know I, I can do this? Oh, definitely. Um, working. So I've always helped out on campaigns, right? Door knocking, canvassing, petition signatures. So I've always been on, involved mm -hmm. at least for the last five or so years in helping other candidates. You know, young Democrats, strong women, outspoken candidates who I saw were the best people for the job. Right. And so, like I said, I realized a long time ago that the way to affect change is to get the proper candidates into the offices that have the power to affect the change. And so seeing young women, I mean, Sarah, Summer, Lindsay, right. just in, in Allegheny County alone, right. who really energized people right. who had never, there were so many people who came out to vote for those women who have never <laughs> voted before, right. who didn't even know what day election day was, right. who had not, no, never seen a candidate <laughs> that had empowered them right. to feel like their vote mattered. Yeah. And how could that, I mean, I got, I got goosebumps right now telling <laughs> you about it because it really just was this feeling that I can't explain seeing that, wow, people are looking for someone to represent them. And when we're talking about new school versus old school, there is a lot more new school in this county than there is old school. Yeah. So if we keep that momentum going, where people who aren't super voters, who, who aren't historically voting in every single election, if we can keep them coming out and voting in right. every single election, we can change the entire landscape of this county. Right. We, we can really affect that change. And so, I mean, there's no question that that was one of the, the major things that inspired me to do what I'm doing right now. Right. And I think one of the biggest hurdles that we have in, in the Allegheny County system is the power of the Democratic Party endorsement um, mm -hmm. over the past several decades now. There have been actually there have been a lot of notable <laughs> the ones we talked about last yeah. year, um, you know, when, when or when when Bruce Krause first won city council, he wasn't mm -hmm. endorsed. I mean, you've got a Bill Peduto wasn't endorsed for mayor, uh, yeah. you know, at one point. And so um, you've got a lot of um, you've got a lot of folks, though, who kind of hang their success on getting that endorsement. And now you are going, you're seeking the endorsement. Is that I correct? am, of course. I'm a county yeah. committee person, right. a state committee person. I respect the endorsement process. And I realize that, because one of the things you get asked, I've been going around all the different committees, sure. right? So this is a big county, as I'm yeah. sure you know. So every night we were bouncing from every corner of the county to make sure that we get to talk to all of the committee right. people right now. And that's something that is a question that they ask. Are you going to run without the endorsement? Right. It's the last question before you yeah. leave every single right. every single place you go. And I think what's important is that how can you expect me to answer that right now? Right. How can you expect me to have a decision on something when we're not there yet? This is right. a campaign that I'm running day by day, right. not endorsement by non-endorsement, right. you know? And there's 
I have such a huge team of supporters, of people who are donating their time, their money, their knowledge to this campaign. How can I start going out and saying what I'm going to do with, you know, with right. the endorsement without consulting those people who right. have had faith in me, who yeah. have really supported me against what may have been the status quo? Right. So that's I think that's the big issue here. But I'm ready for the endorsement yeah. vote. I, I can promise you that I am working with every ounce of everything that I have because that's important. We me. will be there that day because it's um I mean it's always an interesting it's mm -hmm. always an interesting always it's like interesting the Grammys day out, right? it's the it Grammys is, for is. Allegheny <laughs> County politics. That's exactly. what I say. Exactly. <laughs> um, I didn't get a swag bag though, so maybe those guys can hook that I'll up. I'll get you a swag bag. Thank you. All right. um, <laughs> but I feel like that's a question that they ask candidates. And again, I'm talking about longtime Dems, entrenched Dems, mm -hmm. entrenched committee people, that's a question they ask the person that they don't expect is going to get the Exactly. Endorsement. I don't, I could be wrong, but I doubt there's, there are any, if many times at all in this, during this campaign, that John DeFagio has been asked, John, are you going to run if you don't get the party endorsement? I would like to hear his answer for that. Yeah. John, are you going to run if you don't get the party endorsement? Uh, let us know. Let somebody know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that that's an interesting question because again, when you uh, for so long, I, I, it's not a it's not a fix per se, but there's just a way that people go about things, and they just they get comfortable. And I think that that's what the election the elections showed us last year is you you can't get comfortable because you know eventually things do change, I and mean, some young strong woman will come and take your place exactly, yeah. <laughs> and and you will you will disregard that. And I'm not saying this about John at all. I'm talking about no, just some in things general, that happened in yes. general, and some uh -huh. things that happened last year. Um, they were, uh, you know, some of these candidates were disregarded. They were, you know, they didn't feel that they had to really get in a room with them and sit down and face yeah. them and, and and go to a candidate forum and talk about your positions sort of head to head. And, and so people could see. And I think that I think honestly, I mean, I think that aside from the fact that um, there were some great campaigns run, that was that was one of the things that sunk these these guys, too, is that they just. They refused to address the challenge because I think they thought it was in the back. And I think they realized it too late that that things were going south yes. on them. Um, so do you plan on, have there been any talks yet about doing any head-to-head -head sort of candidate nights or, or debates or anything like that? There's or? a lot of different organizations that do them. So different community groups, right. League of Women Voters, um, people who have reached out to me. But the, the problem is that both candidates have to accept in order for it to happen. It needs to be, you know, fair and right. it needs to be where well, this is a democracy, right? right. So... It, it has to be both parties who are right. participating in it for it to happen. Okay. So the hope is there. The hope is there. To... And I, I, the more people that I can get my message out to, that's yeah. the way to do this. Talking to everyone. The one thing I'm going to do is listen to every single person's opinion. What matters to them? What are the issues? Because when you go to the North Hills and then you go to the city and then you go out to the West side right. and you go out to the East end, there are different problems in every right. area. So you can't go around saying the same things to this, to all these right. different groups of people. You need to be able to go and hear their concerns personally and learn how you can help them. Cause that's what this is about. It's about listening. It's not just me yeah. going out talking. It's about listening right. to what's important. And you can live, I mean, you can live in others. I think some people don't think this. You can cross a bridge. You can take a tunnel. You can. You, you can find out what's going on. And, and you should find out what's going on in the entire county and right. other neighborhoods and so forth. Um, I'm a North Hills person like yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, but I probably know more about city politics than I do uh, what's right. going on in my own in my own community, you know. Right. And so you just, I think you have to make yourself available to learn the issues from the, from, from, from different sectors to be able to do your job. That works for me. And I would think as a, for a county council person, it has to be, you have yes. to know 
the issues, not just where you're comfortable, but also the places where maybe you don't have as much where knowledge. You have to go out and get it. Mm-hmm. So. so that's a big thing that I've been. So transparency is one of yes. one of my big mm-hmm. issues, especially um, as I'm sure you know about the Sunshine Act violations mm-hmm. that have taken place in county council over the past years. How can transparency not be something right. that we're talking about right now? I give out my cell phone number to anybody who asked for it on this campaign trail. If you want a direct line of communication with me because you think that that's what's going to help you and your community, please call me. Let me know what I can be talking about on my platform that most is most important to you. Facebook, social media in this day and age. If you're not using social media for your campaign, you're doing it wrong because right. that the reach of social media is is so underestimated and I'm a millennial, right? So I am on <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. What are your social uh, tags? What are your, Oh, so Twitter, Bethany Hallam, Instagram, Bethany Hallam, four, one, two, and Facebook, Bethany Hallam. Wow. Keeping it simple. That's, that's really, that's a great idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. I should, I should do that for myself. Not yeah. Bethany Hallam, but you can, my yeah, own you can name. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, maybe <laughs> Bethany Hallam two is where you'll find me. Um, but transparency is something. Cause I think, a, I think every one of your issues dovetails, under that umbrella of transparency, yes. um, if you go to uh, Bethany's website, you'll see her very long, detailed thoughts on fracking. Um, actually, under fracking, she just has the word no, yeah. and which I think was like. <laughs> so I read your platform and I get down to fracking. No, I'm like that. I mean, that. How else can you say it? That's the right. best. That's the best way to say it. But fracking is one of those things that land deals were being made, mm-hmm. uh, 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 deals to um, to lease county um, to lease county land had been made and there was trouble seeing those documents. I mean, those documents were not made readily available to the public. We didn't know what kind of deal um, they were getting into because County council gave that power to the, to the, um, to the executive. So um, talk a little bit about, um, and again, environment gun, all this stuff sort of goes under um, that transparency thing that you talk about. So talk a little bit about that and talk a little bit about your thoughts on, on, um, on the environment and on fracking and so forth. So I think the the one big point here is that this is the only environment we get. There right. is no do-over. There's no plan B environment. If we don't take care of the environment we have right now, we're done. There is going to be nothing left right. for future generations to come. So instead of doing what prior generations before us have done and just like, oh, well, we don't need to worry about it right now because mm-hmm. it's not our problem. It's not going to affect us. We need to worry about this right now. There are so many statistics coming out that saying if we don't within the next five, 10 years, majorly change what we are doing, not just in this county, not just in this state, in this, in our entire world, Mm -hmm. we are not going to have an environment that is sustainable for any longer. So the big thing is the air. I mean, if anyone gets the alerts on their phone, like I do, it seems like almost every single day this year alone, we're getting alerts saying, oh, you know, poor air quality day. Okay, there's people in the Mon Valley who were going outside with their children, their families, people with asthma every single day. And then they get um, an alert that says, oh, hey, by the way, for the past at least two weeks, the air has literally been unsafe for you to breathe. So don't go outside. Don't go outside. Sorry that you've been out in it for the past two weeks. Don't go outside now. Like, come on. It is 2019 and we have air that is unsafe. We have lead in our water. Lead levels comparable to Flint, Michigan, which everyone knows about. But let's talk about Pittsburgh and let's talk about that our water is undrinkable too. And and I think the biggest problem is it always seems to be, you know, um, minority communities who are being affected by this the worst because 
they can't go out and afford a couple thousand dollar water filter to put on their spigots in their house. You right. know, they can't afford to not have to go out and walk to the store or to the bus stop. So that's the thing is, is this just another issue like the drug epidemic that we have going on now mm -hmm. where that's been going on in other communities for a long time. And then suddenly it's, you know, middle to upper class white kids. And now you're talking about right. it. This has been an issue that has been going on forever, just like the issues with our air and our water. And so now finally everybody's going to pay attention. No, we need right. to make sure these things are being talked about every single day. There is no end in sight. Let's talk about, let's figure out how we can remedy the solution. Right. And even today situation. it's, it's tough to get everyone to agree mm -hmm. that, oh yeah, there's, there's a problem, you know, because mm -hmm. uh, apparently environmental science <laughs> doesn't, some people don't think that that's, that's, that's a real science. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you spoke a little bit about how underserved communities, um, how poor communities rather, um, uh, usually end up underserved in these situations. Mm -hmm. One thing I wanted to talk to you about was transit access. I mean, that's one yes. of been, I mean, when, when, when back when Port Authority was, was, was hacking roots, I mean, that was, I mean, it was mostly, it happened in poor communities first. It happened in, you know, um, these, these underserved communities already yeah. becoming more underserved. So, so what, what is your, what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on fixing? So that I don't drive. All yeah. right. So one of the other, you know, consequences of my yeah. addiction is I lost my license. So next year is the year <laughs> after almost a decade of not having a driver's license. Wow. And so I see this firsthand and I live 10, 12 minutes north of the city. Mm -hmm. I cannot get a bus from my house. Right. There is no transportation. There's no public transit. I could take an Uber to a bus stop, you know, 10 minutes away and right. then get a bus into town. But doesn't that defeat the purpose? Right. You know, I mean, thankfully right. there is Uber now. When I first lost my license, there was Uber wasn't around yet, you know, right. so thankfully we have that. But for example, I work somewhere that is within walking distance of my house because how do I get to work every day? Right. You know, so it, it really, people are limited because these, this transportation is getting cut off to everyone. And it is minority communities are effect, are being affected the most, but look around our County. Like I, I would really like to know how many people can walk a reasonable distance to get a bus and then get anywhere. Right. So again, if you're, if you have a lot of money to throw around, I guess Uber is a solution, <laughs> but think about it. if I was Ubering to and from work every day, yeah. I, it wouldn't even be worth it for right. me to go to work. Right. right? It, I wouldn't, it, I would spend so much money on just the Uber that why, why do I even have a job? So it, it's just so many people again, who feel like nobody is standing up for them and they feel left out of the conversation. Right. I think that's the biggest issue here is that there's so many people in this County who feel like nobody's coming out and talking to them. Nobody's asking them how these transit cuts are affecting them, how, how the opioid epidemic is affecting them, how the dirty air and dirty water is affecting them. And so that's the biggest part I think of this campaign mm -hmm. is to make sure that everyone feels heard. Right. We are talking to Bethany Hallam where we're going to be wrapping up with Bethany Hallam candidate for Allegheny County council at large for the uh, democratic, uh, uh, nomination, uh, taking on, um, 20 year incumbent, um, uh, Johnny DeFazio. Sorry. It's, I want I always want to call him jumping John, um, DeFazio. Um, <laughs> um, and today the Pittsburgh current podcast is brought to you by, uh, A&R solutions. Um, Bethany, just sort of to, to wrap up here, let's talk a little bit about just, um, obviously a goal is the goal. The main goal is to get elected and to, to yes. help folks. But, but what else are you learning out there as you're, as you're talking to people and as you're campaigning, what else are you getting out of this besides, the opportunity to hopefully have a chance to run for the seat. 
So uh, I think the first thing is, like I've said many times, meeting so many people mm -hmm. in every different community in the entire county and hearing how different each neighborhood is. Yeah. Um, the other thing, politics are dirty. Uh, some people play dirty in yes. this game. Um, and I think what's important is just always being myself. Yeah. That is the number one thing in this campaign is to not conform to what I may have been told to do, to not to take advice from everywhere, mm -hmm. but to pick and choose what I apply. Sure. Because in the end, this is my name that I stand for lots of things. Mm -hmm. And if I don't always stay true to myself, then how can I expect anyone to vote for me? Did you, um, was there, was there a time when you started this campaign? Did you, um, was there ever a question to you that you, maybe you would try to either downplay or not talk about your addiction? Again, these are things in this world, especially, I mean, not that I, I mean, things don't stay quiet at all, mm -hmm. but I, I don't, I don't get that. I don't think that just talking to you and from what I've read about you, I don't think that that was any part of the reason behind that. But was there any part of you that was a little worried about coming out and speaking so publicly about this? Yeah, so I went into this knowing that, I mean, 10 years of my life, I battled addiction. I'm 29 years old. That is a major chunk of my life. Yeah. How can I go out and talk about myself and talk about what I stand for and talk about my platform without talking about something that was such a huge part of my life? So the, the addiction is who I was. It's not who I am today, right. but it really shaped my perspective. You know, experiences shape perspective and perspective is what you use to affect change. Right. And so I knew that if I didn't come out as who I am, as truly and authentically as possible from the very beginning, that I was wasting my time and everyone else's time. So yeah. this was very important to me to just be myself, tell my story, speak my truth. Yeah. Because in the, at the end of the day, that's what I'm looking for out of a candidate. So how can I expect that from someone else if I'm not willing to be it myself? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Bethany, thank you so much for taking all the time. I mean, I, I have 6,000 more questions, but we're, yeah. <laughs> we're, late as, we're a little late as it is. Um, you can find out more about Bethany's campaign at Bethany, www.bethanyhallam.com, at Bethany Hallam on Twitter, Bethany Hallam 412 on Instagram, and Bethany Hallam on Facebook. Yeah. Look at that. I see. <laughs> you see, got, it helps you remember it, helps it right? Remember. Yeah. <laughs> and this has been the Pittsburgh Current Podcast. One uh, brought to you by NR Solutions. One show note I do want to say is that um, this Sunday at uh, 11 a.m., we are going to be starting a new series. Um, we're calling it the Pittsburgh Current Concert Series. And this Sunday, Chasing the Barons, we're playing live on our Facebook page. Um, so come and check that out. Or it will also be available for download later. Um, we're looking to, to, to do this once a month or so. And, um, so if you're a band looking to, uh, promote a record or, or just get your music out there, you can hit me up at charlie at pittsburghcurrent.com and we'll, uh, talk to you about maybe coming on a future edition. And again, this has been the Pittsburgh Current Podcast sponsored, come to you sponsored by ANR Solutions. Are you or a loved one battling drug addiction? You're not alone. ANR Solutions is now accepting new patients with addiction to heroin or other pain medication. A&R Solutions believe that addiction to prescription pain medication and heroin can be treated successfully the same as any other disease with compassion, individualized plans, and evidence-based treatment. Services are tailored to meet a client's specific needs. A&R Solutions offers a full spectrum of treatments. With nearly 15 years of experience, A&R Solutions is trying to impact the lives of thousands of people. For an appointment, 1-800-817-4053. A&R Solutions.com. Look for the link in the description. 
Pittsburgh Current Podcast, issue four in the streets right now. Check it out. Great stories. And we'll see you next week. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.